Tennessee football went to Columbia, Missouri and got unmasked for the average team. That it is the most uh, embarrassing loss, quite frankly, of the Josh Heupel era. Welcome into the Volunteer State. I'm Blake Topmeyer alongside the Knoxville News Sentinels, Adam Sparks and John Adams. We will unpack the uh, ugly scene that was at Missouri on Saturday in a and look ahead to this weekend's game against undefeated two-time national champion Georgia, a game that coming into the season I feel like was circled on a lot of Vols fans' calendars, and now Tennessee fans probably just want to get this over with to some degree. So, guys, we, uh, we'll get to Georgia in a little bit, but we need to start with where uh, the season really got sideways for Tennessee, I feel like, because you know here it was a week ago we're talking about well, could Tennessee get to the Citrus Bowl? Will fans be excited by a Citrus Bowl? You can take Citrus Bowl off the table, I think, at this point. And I don't know where Tennessee is going to go, but they're staring down the barrel of uh, what, to me, I think could be described as a pretty mediocre season. More on that in a minute. But, Adam, what did you see in Columbia Saturday? Well, I mean, I. Uh... I will say that um, at today's press conference, uh, Josh Hopple sensed what the mood would be towards Georgia um, going from the Missouri game to Georgia game because he he led off talking about Dolly Parton, <laughs> that, that Dolly is going to yeah. be at the game. Uh, welcome, Dolly. And uh, and then he, he went right into injuries and mentioned that Dante Thornton, the wide receiver, is out for the season. Just so people understand, Josh Hopple does not usually make those type of announcements. So he was doing anything he could was to, to deflect attention Away from what happened in uh, in Columbia, Missouri, uh, which is which is a, a, a probably a good tactic for what happened there. I mean, I, I you know I had a buddy of mine uh, text me during the game that said um, that asked me is the honeymoon over for Josh Heupel, and and I think that's kind of a good way of putting it because I think up till this point, two and a half years into Josh Heupel's tenure, he has always gotten the benefit of the doubt. So. You know, if the offense wasn't playing well, fans and even sometimes media would say, yeah, but Josh Hopple will figure this out. It's it's not on him. It's on somebody. It's his personnel or or something else. It's not it's not on him. Um, If uh, if they lost in a controversial fashion, it was the officials had to be the officials Tennessee wouldn't commit this many penalties had to be the officials. Um, It's a bad matchup. It was a bad scene. It was a bad something. But it was is rarely laid at Josh Hopple's feet. Even when it was the defense was the biggest issue through a couple of the first years, um, you know, it was more about it wasn't on Josh Hopple. It was hey, that defense should play like Josh Hopple's offense should. Forgetting the fact that Josh Hopple's the head coach of the whole program, I think this game turned things where people are now holding Josh Hopple accountable. And the the benefit of the doubt, I think, is gone. Now, he's still a really good coach. He was the SEC coach of the year last year. He's a phenomenal offensive mind. But I think people are now skeptical um, of his decisions now. Anytime something bad happens to Tennessee or something happens in a game uh, that's that's Tennessee's fault, it's not going to be some player or other coach on the team. It's going to be, why is Josh Hopple letting that happen? And why is he not fixed it? And I, th- I think that turned um, – and it turned really because we now see the difference in an exception and a rule with especially this football team. Um, the Florida game early in the year, 
when Tennessee was was bad on the road, they fell apart. They couldn't. They 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 just absolutely fell apart and lost that game. We looked at that as saying that's probably the exception. You know, they're probably going to get this fixed. Now that we've seen it at Missouri and we saw it last year's team at South Carolina, it seems more like the rule that this that Josh Hopple teams can fall apart on the road in a game that they should win or be very competitive in. And uh, people will now be looking for that for that rule rather than thinking it's an exception. And I, and I think that's that's where things turned in this program and, and for Josh Apple's tenure the other night. Uh, I agree with you, Adam. And I, I think it wasn't just that Tennessee lost the game. It was the way they lost in such a demonstrative fashion. And it, it's better for Tennessee uh, to lose a high-scoring game because then you can still believe very much in Josh Heupel. This guy's an offensive guru, just doesn't have enough defensive personnel right now to win these kind of games. And I think last year, I mean, going even going into this year, I thought, okay, if you hold somebody to 36 points, <laughs> hold them to 36, you think with Tennessee's offense, um, it still could win the game. And that was the case last season. And I think I was so high on Tennessee's offense and, and Josh Heupel's system, I believe it could pretty much plug in anybody there at quarterback and the system would keep keep cranking out touchdowns and big yardage that hasn't been the case and and this this loss isn't on Tennessee quarterback Joe Milton uh some other losses uh, that have been kind of attributed to he was a big bigger factor in but I still think with this offense it just doesn't fit Joe Milton's skill set so it's always as though the offense is working around what Milton can and can't do. And it's not a, it's not just uh, the talent, the dip, disparity in talent between Hinton and Hooker last year, Joe Milton this year. It's what they can do well. And I still think Milton's better suited for another system. But the other aspect of it was, even while the offense wasn't what it was last season, I think fans were somewhat encouraged it. Didn't know about the defense. Very skeptical. The fans were, of the de- understandably, of the defense coming into the season. But the way Tennessee's defense played early on was kind of changing the narratives. That big pass rush and really uh, gaudy stats. But now I look at that defense and I look at the stats and I think, well, that said a lot about Tennessee's competition. Tennessee hasn't played that many really good teams. It's played Alabama. It's played uh, it's played Missouri. I mean, Florida's not a good team, but uh, it's lost to its only two nationally ranked teams. It's played by double figure margins, and I think so. Now, I think fans, the skepticism that was kind of drifting away is returning now about the defense. Yeah, and I think John, that's a good point about mentioning the the offense and how good they were uh, in the past. Because it, the record is going to end up this year. Let's say it's eight and four. It's going to end up pretty similar to the twenty twenty one season when Tennessee went seven and five. Um, but the feeling was different in that one because you would see something that Tennessee would do even in a loss and say, "Well, once they get you know just a little bit more to add to that, it's it's all going to work out." You know, you think about the games in that first year where uh, they lost a high-scoring game to Pitt. They lost a high-scoring game to Ole Miss. And you said, well, 
but they're 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 close. It's okay because they're losing because they're teasing us of what's to come. Um, and then you look in that same season, and they hung sixty two on Missouri. They hung forty something on South Carolina. And so people believe that the upward trajectory, you know, that that the 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 good things and losses were leading to something bigger. It's different in this one because um, I. I think the hope more is gone out of this team from the from the fan perspective. Now, could they go and play well against Georgia and restore some of that? Sure. Could they go and win a bowl game? Could they blow out Vandy? Sure. Um, but I think people now look at this team and say, this team was never as good as I thought or I hoped it would be. And with two games left in the regular season, that's not what you want to think of your football team. Because I wrote it the other night after the game that we see the season now in a new light because that, that Florida game wasn't, it wasn't a weird game. That's, that's who this team, that's closer to who this team is than, than, than the opposite. The A&M game where Joe Milton threw for 100 yards and they won, but it was ugly and it was boring and it was dull. That's more what this team is than, uh, you know, than the exception. Yeah, and, and the difference was Missouri's offense is a lot better than what Texas A&M's offense did. And, and you're right, Adam. For weeks, I was asking myself, how did how did Tennessee, even though it is the swamp, how did Tennessee go to Florida and lose to this Florida team in the manner that they did? And, and now it's like, oh, that's how they did it because Tennessee's not very good. You know, I mean that was that was the the real theme of Saturday. I thought was Missouri's actually a, a good team. Tennessee's not. They're average. They're they're in that ranks of of Kentucky. And I have to wonder with Josh Hopple how much he's known that behind the scenes. He does not give us he gives us almost nothing at press conferences. And you know when those coaches are sitting around and looking at game film and figuring out the scheme. If after the Florida game they said, Oh guys, we're we've got we've got to hide this. You, you mentioned at the beginning of the of the pod, they were unmasked. I wonder how long Josh Hopple has known what's really behind that mask and thinking I've got to sort of piece this together. I've got to hide what our deficiencies are. I, I just got to figure out how to piece together some wins. Um, I suspect he's known longer than, than certainly than the rest of us. I, I think he was very, very surprised by that 36, seven score the other night, but, but I don't know that he was absolutely shocked that they lost that game. My question guys, as we kind of, look at this through the, the lens of a theme is, you know, Tennessee's probably approaching an eight and four season going into the bowl. You mentioned that earlier, Adam, they got Georgia this week. It would come thing as something of a, of a shock. I think if Tennessee were to beat Georgia and then they finish with Vanderbilt, it would be even more shocking if Tennessee lost to Vanderbilt. So like on the one hand you say eight and four, okay, that's not the goal at Tennessee, but that's not bad. But as you unpack it further, it's a pretty fragile eight and four. Um, I mean, let's let's look at it this way. It, the way I see it, Tennessee started the season five and zero. Their non conference schedule is a joke. It was so weak that it would make Vanderbilt and Kentucky blush. I mean, Vanderbilt and Kentucky played tougher non conference schedules than what Missouri played this or than what uh, Tennessee played this year. And then you add in Vanderbilt, you're five and zero at the start of the season. And so it's what what do you do in your other seven games? Right now, Tennessee is is three and three with with one remaining against Georgia. And like the crowning achievements for Tennessee this year is is beating Texas A&M at home. Now, coming into the year, that looked like a really big game. Texas A&M six and four and just fired its coach, Jimbo Fisher. 
And your other crowning achievement is winning at Kentucky, which was an important win to keep this season from going down an even worse path. But like, I mean, I, I'm on the verge of calling this season a bust and, and maybe that's a overreaction to losing to Missouri by the, in the way they did or uh, what have you. But I, I look at the, the achievements here and I think it's really pretty thin uh, on, on what's been accomplished this year. Yeah. And I, I know the point of this, uh, of this episode is to sort of have a binary, uh, you know, was it a hit or a miss, uh, a make or a bust? Uh, it's hard for me to go one way or the other on those. Cause I, I think this is a so, so season. Um, if I had to go one or the other, I, I would, I would go more towards bust because I think this eight and four, this eight and four is going to look like a Kentucky eight and four. And you alluded to that a little bit, right? It's, yeah. Y- you beat bad teams and you lose to good teams. And that's what Kentucky has done for years and good for Mark Stoops and he can get to eight wins like that. But that's that's what this is looking like. I mean, even think back to the non-conference. Um, Austin P scored first and Tennessee won that one by two scores over Austin P. Um, UTSA was supposed to get, be a game where Nico was going to play like the whole second half. But then UTSA came out and scored back-to-back touchdowns and it suddenly – a competitive game. So even the bad teams, they weren't necessarily, you know, just blowing them off the field. Um, this is a so-so season. It's going to be, I, I, I know this sounds a little bit like a cop-out, but um, I think the best thing that Tennessee can do to make this season look better is go and win their bowl game. Now, a lot of fans don't care about bowl games. Media sometimes don't care about bowl games. It depends on who it is, where it is. Um, like I saw, a, uh, uh, right, if the season ended today, they'd probably still eke into the Gator Bowl uh, because there's not really going to be like eight and four teams for them to compete against. There's some other scenarios we can get into later at another episode. But uh, I saw a projection today that had them eight and four playing Drake May in North Carolina in the Gator Bowl. OK, you go and beat North Carolina if Drake May were to play. Um that that would that would that would be fine, um, but otherwise, uh, it's it's going to be hard to sort of put uh, you know put lipstick on the season because they just there was never uh, I, I think a lot of times fans and even media cling on to moments where they say hey I remember that season by this thing by this game by this play by this performance I don't I don't know what that what that is what's I mean their best win was Kentucky and. Ended up being an okay win. Um, there wasn't some game where somebody, you know, rushed for 200 yards or Joe Milton never threw for 400. Um, there wasn't a game where they put up 60 on a on a decent team. There's just not that moment. So I think we're going to go away from the season and uh, and just say, oh, okay, on to the next one. The difference between Josh Apple's first season and this one, another difference is, the first season, you said, okay, this is going to lead into something next year. It's all building. The momentum is going. I think you're probably going to finish this year. If it's eight and four, you're going to say, you know, I don't know that you're building anything. You're just going to sort of cut this season off and and start over. I don't think a lot of the good things from this season will carry over to the next. Um, and that's, you know, that's disappointing because I think there was an opportunity this year to really get the ball rolling. Yeah, I think – when you uh, when you look at this season at this stage of the year fans are looking to next year they they will be shouting maybe even in the georgia game if things aren't going well we want nico 
what to me is we had an up upward trajectory going and Tennessee had an up, upward trajectory going and now the trajectory is going the other way because of this season but to me it's about the offense because that's what Josh Heupel is about that's what he was about before he came here that's what he was about his first year that's certainly what he was about last year when he when Tennessee led the country in points and yards per game so i think there was a a comfort amongst the fan base that no matter what happened Tennessee's offense would be really good now, it might not win every game. It might not qualify the playoff or win the East or anything uh, of that nature, but that it would go down scoring. I, I mean, it would have lost to Missouri maybe 38-34 or something. Uh, but the way the offense has looked, the stats have fallen off dramatically, but it's more than stats. We go back and we look at last year in the – the scores came so it was like an avalanche of points. They just came so quickly again and again and again, all these big plays. We haven't seen that. This looks like a different coach is in charge of the program. And I know it has to do with the personnel. And in some ways he's adjusted pretty well. Uh, He did that at central Florida one year when they were mainly a run oriented team, but the belief that no matter what, Tennessee can stay competitive because it's got one of the best offensive coaches in the country. I don't know if that's a consensus opinion of fans as this season comes to a close. I want to circle back to a couple things Adam said. Um, I thought they were good points. Adam, you, you described this as, as like a Kentucky eight and four season. I thought that was a really good comparison because Kentucky can kind of schedule a couple of Mac teams, maybe in a year where they beat Louisville you know, get one against Vanderbilt, South Carolina, and they look up at the end of the year and they're eight and four. But, you know, Tennessee fans look at that and say, yeah, but what did they really accomplish? And, and I think this Tennessee season falls into that category. But you also said, Adam, that that the bowl game could kind of define how we think about this season to, to a certain degree. And I would agree with that because, um, no, bowl games don't mean what they, they used to in a, in a you know, a trip to the Gator Bowl on the heels of last year's Orange Bowl is not going to excite, you know, big orange country. However, if they were to get like a North Carolina matchup that you mentioned earlier and, and you beat North Carolina, that's something to hang your hat, hat on. And then you say, we went nine and four, wasn't the season they wanted, but finished with a bowl win and and beat North Carolina. Um, now I've seen another projection that has them that's against Georgia Tech in the Gator Bowl. That would not be a real chance for a signature moment. But I think I think what I'm hearing there is, Adam, is uh, as I'm trying to determine whether the season is, is a bust or not, maybe let's just wait and see what happens the last couple of weeks. They can they can keep it from going down that path, and, and a win in a bowl game to get to 9-4 and four reshapes the perception a little bit, even though at the end of the day, there's still, there's still a ceiling on uh, – on how excited anyone should be about even at nine and four, it's not a great achievement, but, but it does change the overall perception based on what happens the next few weeks. Yeah. And for fans listening to this saying, guys, it's two games left. Why do y'all feel like, why does it feel like you're doing sort of a season wrap up? It's because the schedule, how it works out, there's not toss up games left. There's a game where, you know, 
everybody in this hemisphere feels like Tennessee's going to lose to Georgia. That now they haven't lost to Neyland in a long time, so let's let's wait and see. But they're a heavy underdog to Georgia. They'll be a heavy favorite over Vanderbilt. So there's not that you know game like they just had against Missouri, where it's a ranked team and you know if you win, it's a it's a signature win for the season. That's just not on the schedule. Um, and, and I also want to go back to what I said before about sort of what this season is, so so and all that. I think there are, there are, there are good players and there are good elements to this team. I think they're just so thin. It's so shallow what the good parts are. Um, you know, I, I've, I've had so many questions about what's wrong with this team over the past couple of days. You know, is <laughs> it, it is, I mean, and I know you guys have had the same, you know, is there no leadership on this team? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cooper Mays is a leader. He was injured uh, on the offensive line. Keenan Peely was brought in to be a leader in the linebacking core and had filled that he got injured in the first game. He was done. Uh, Brew McCoy was, for sure, the alpha leader in the wide receiver room. A few games in the season, he's out for an injury. So there are bad circumstances there. But once you take off sort of that, that veneer of leadership that they have, there's not much under it. Um, you know, they have, you know, they have some really good players. Um, but, you know, you scrape off Jalen Wright and you scrape off Tyler Barron and James Pierce and a few others. You're left with you know middle of the pack SEC players, and so we're and we're seeing that now late in the year. I mean, uh, you know, Brew McCoy was injured; he's out, and so the receiving core struggles. And then Dante Thornton, their transfer is now he's now done for the regular season with an injury, and suddenly this explosive offense that's supposed to put up 500 yards a game is down to. Ramel Keaton, who's had an okay year, Squirrel White, who will be blanketed by everybody in coverage, everybody that Georgia has, and two redshirt freshmen, Chaz Nimrod and Caleb Webb. And who knows, Nathan Leacock, the true freshman, may get in there. Um, so you're just, once you scraped away your, your, your hopes in terms of personnel and leadership and what this team is good at, there just wasn't that much below. And the later that you get into the season, those kinds of things are exposed, and that's certainly what uh, what happened at Missouri. If you want to take the uh, glasses half full approach, you could look at this season and say, let's say the regular season plays out the way you depict it, Adam, and Tennessee finishes eight and four, wins a bowl game, it's nine and four. That would be not just the pinnacle of the Butch Jones era. He had two two nine win seasons. It would be the pinnacle of equal to pinnacle of Tennessee football from 2008 through 2020. That's 13 years. So if you look at it from that perspective, and I don't think many people will <laughs> after, after an 11 and two season in 2022, but at least you can maybe find some encouragement at that, that the bad times aren't as bad as they used to be. Uh, that Tennessee, okay, the best win was over Kentucky. There were some other seasons where Tennessee couldn't beat Kentucky, a few seasons, and there were some seasons where it even lost to Vanderbilt. So it's not as though the program is in free fall, but it's not what fans had hoped for. So, yeah, John, and I've said this uh, for the past few weeks now, it's a lot of this season – will be viewed long-term about whether or not it will depend on whether or not this was closer to the floor 
or closer to the ceiling of Josh Heupel's tenure. You know, they were seven and five year one, then they were 11 or seven and six, and they were 11 and two. Now they're going to be eight and four or nine and four or something like that. Well, is have, have we hit the ceiling and now we're kind of going back towards the floor? Or is this the floor from this point and in next year it's back up to 10 wins or 11 wins or whatever? Because if you, if this year they're, they're eight and four in the regular season and then you kind of get back to playing better next year, this year you look at it and say, well, that's fine. You know, they took a little dip. It was fine because they got right back on it. Uh, there's going to be ebbs and flows. But if next year you have the same issues and you're not beating top 25 teams and you have issues on the road, then you'll see the you know last season as an anomaly, and then this is just sort of a seven or eight win type of uh, type of program, and they've got to protect against that. And uh, I, I mean, I'm I'm curious to see what's going to happen in the next two weeks. But once we get into December, and we're talking transfer portal, and we're trying to figure out where they go for 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 next season, it's uh, it's free agency is coming, and they got to figure out how to make this team back into a 10-win team and, and to hold off these six, seven, eight-win top seasons. So I want to finish with a, a thought on, on the Georgia game. But first, what a great point, John, that if Tennessee can get to nine and four, that will match the peak moments of, of the Butch era. I mean, that is, that is good pers- perspective, and I don't think anyone would accuse us of being an apologist uh, podcast here we we don't take that that stance but that is that is good perspective that's a good way of putting it uh which i think all the more points says like hey nothing to play for you know these last few weeks there is something to to play for they're getting nine wins would salvage something out of this and 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 now looking at at georgia and that's the reason why we say we're not saying 10 wins is still on the board because we're all thinking what probably you're all thinking listening to this is that it would take a monumental task for for Tennessee to beat Georgia on Saturday. So while Adam and and John were covering Tennessee Missouri Saturday, I was watching from the press box in Athens before covering Georgia's uh, destruction of Lane Kiffin's rebels. And and Georgia just it, it looks like a team that gets better every week. Their offensive line uh, just dominated, absolutely dominated Ole Miss. Carson Beck is playing at a level that I would not be surprised for him to get in the Heisman conversation. He's not going to win. Wouldn't totally surprise me for him to finish in the top five. I think he's got that type of year going for him. The running backs are, are, they got weapons all over the field on offense. And then defense, they're maybe not as good as the last two years' defenses. But, I mean, what does that say? If if you're close to being like the defense was the last couple years, that's still pretty darn good. So, Having said all that, that I don't see really very many chinks in the Georgia armor here, if any, can you guys give me any sort of path to the unthinkable happening at Neyland Stadium? I mean, the odds makers say it's just a 10-point spread. So somebody out there maybe thinks there's a thought. It's uh, for Tennessee to play winning football this week or somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, the, the, the word is survival. It's survival mode. Um, maybe even pride, but if they put any kind of product on the field like they had at Missouri, they're going to get beat by whatever score Kirby Smart chooses, 50, 60, whatever. And that would be embarrassing, obviously, in Neyland Stadium. 
Tennessee has not lost in Neyland in like two years. 14-game winning streak at Neyland. There's an immense pride that nobody comes into Neyland and, and beats the Vols. And uh, certainly nobody comes into Neyland and blows out the Vols. And, uh, you know, this team knows how good Georgia is, and they know that Georgia is better than Missouri. And so I think I think in, in some aspect it's a positive that they're playing this elite type of team this week um, because they're going to go in and think you've got to survive first, try to make it a game, and then you can think about winning the game in the second half. I, I think if you had just a middle-of-the-pack team coming in, I don't know if you – if it'd be guaranteed that you could get Tennessee up for this game, but th- they're not going to get embarrassed in Neyland or they're going to do everything to prevent that. So I think you'll probably get a, a good Tennessee performance. I don't know if that'll be enough to upset Georgia, um, but I don't think they'll, they'll go down lightly just because they know they're defending that, that home field and they, they don't want to let that streak go away uh, with somebody marching over them like Missouri did in Columbia the other night. Uh, uh, fear of failure can be a powerful motivator fear from uh, fear of embarrassment can be an even more powerful motivator and i think that's what tennessee has to be thinking a little bit how could you not when you look at what georgia has done against some pretty good teams uh oh miss was ranked ninth in the country and only lost one game lost by 14 to alabama beat lsu and as blake said total annihilation uh, then uh, go back to Kentucky when, when Kentucky in that favorable early season schedule had left at five and zero. You don't want to play Georgia when you're five and zero, because then you've got Georgia's attention, and then it's going to be a dismantling. What has impressed me so much about Georgia is that it always rises to the occasion, and I think even if Tennessee played the best game possible. If Neyland Stadium were at its loudest uh, and Georgia was pushed to the brink of losing its massive winning streak, I still think Georgia could pull out a win. I just think it's that become that kind of program, which is, which is a testament to what Kirby Smart has done. And I, I think Tennessee, I agree with Adam, I think Tennessee will play well. But if Georgia's at the top of its game, um, uh, it still could lose by 20 points. All right. Well, that's a that's a wrap on this one. It's a it's a 3:30 kickoff at Neyland on Saturday. Uh, you find all the coverage at knoxnews.com, and we will be back with you next week. Thanks for listening to the Volunteer State.